Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. It is that time. We give you not one, not two, but three martinis. I'm Chad Benson and Greg Corumbus, who's enjoying some much-needed time off. Jim Garrity, as always, is here. And we've got your three, and we're going to start with the good. And Jim... Uh, this time next week, looks like she's going to get a confirmation vote. And uh, how do you think uh, ACB, Amy Coney Barrett, handled all of this political chaos? You know, yesterday we talked about how the polling numbers were looking very good for her. Uh, I think our assessment on Monday and Tuesday was that she was handling the hearings really well. Her testimony is done. They're hearing from outside experts today. But uh, I think this has pretty much gone about as well as you could hope at the Democrats think their big knock on her was that she said she, you know, kind of was vague in her discussion of climate change being man-made. Um, I think in the context of the question, she was saying she didn't really, couldn't really get into, and she didn't feel well informed to explain whether climate change is a factor in the wildfires out in California and in the West, and she didn't feel like she could, you know, or, or if it is a factor, how much it's a factor. If that's your smoking gun, if that's, you know, we, ah, we got her, you know, then then really nothing is gone. And I kind of feel like every week in the Trump presidency feels like, a you know, seven straight crazy news days. And there's, you know, there's the presidential race is going on. The pandemic is going on. You have all kinds of stuff. But I kind of am struck by how little I feel like I heard about the confirmation hearings outside of looking for that coverage. Uh, you know, obviously National Review has been covering it through the week. Mostly, you know, it's been mentioned, but there hasn't been that you got to stop everything and you got to tune in and watch live when there was through the Brett Kavanaugh hearings with the allegations and then all that kind of stuff. I think that it's been strikingly normal judicial confirmation politics. And I think that's been uh, one, good for the administration, two, good for Republicans, obviously good for Amy Coney Barrett and for conservatives. And, um, Really, in a way, I think one of the stories of the week is that a process that is traditionally furiously impassioned and controversial has turned out to be not that impassioned and controversial. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. The whole you're right about like the first day there was some coverage, but since then it's been very quiet. And because the 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 controversy with Kavanaugh was very real and outside of them bringing somebody up who, you know, 30 years ago, she assaulted. Uh, the reality is that there wasn't going to be anything like that. And do you think the Democrats just feel like, all right, we really, you know, we, we, we've got nothing here. We're just going to let's just get this over with and move on. Yeah. I mean, look, even if you keep everyone in your party unified in opposition, and I think they have a good chance of doing that. Maybe Joe Manchin might flip, but he only flipped after Olympia Snow expressed support for Kavanaugh. He's not up for re-election this year, so it would not surprise you know. Manchin does not feel any particular you know danger in his up in his next election, assuming he chooses to run for re-election uh, in this particular set of circumstances. So I you know are there one or two other Democrats who might feel some pressure? It could be, and obviously most Republicans will be on board. I you know you don't know about Murkowski, you don't know about Collins, but. Uh, by and large, after that, it gets real thin. And so I, my suspicion is you'll see a party line or near party line vote next week. Uh, you know, many conservatives will look at this and say, you know, it's a shame we can't go back to the old standard of if you are qualified, they vote for you, regardless of what your judicial philosophy is, because, you know, 
uh, you know, uh, uh, Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg had, you know, near, you know, 80 some, 90 some votes in support. And they'd probably prefer that, you know, Amy Coney Barrett deserves that as much as they do. That those days are long gone. I think as long as the Supreme Court is seen as the ultimate arbiter of political, you know, controversial political issues uh, in this country and not the legislative branch, then this is what it's going to be. And you're probably going to get a, you know, 52, 48, uh, 51, 49, some sort of, you know, vote along those lines next week. It's supposed to be the 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 part of the branch of government that does the least damage and is the mm-hmm. least scary. And at the, uh, at the same time, it seems to be the one that causes the most controversy. We move from the good to something that is controversial, which is the way that Twitter and Facebook, Jim, not only handled the Hunter Biden stuff and we can, you know, you could talk all day. Do you believe it? Do you not believe it? Is there more there, there? But the, to me, the most controversy is the fact that Twitter and Facebook did everything they could to suppress it and then admitted it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this basically is pouring gasoline on the fire of conservatives who believe that big tech companies, most notably Facebook and Twitter. But I think, you know, people with, you know, uh, Amazon, Google and other big tech companies tend to get lumped in with them. That they're out to suppress conservatives, that they are out to act as PR agents for Democrats, that they're not only is their thumb on the scale, but they don't feel any obligation to allow free, you know, expression of ideas when those ideas are damaging to people that Twitter and Facebook like. Uh, I assume listeners are up to speed on this, but just in case they aren't. Earlier this week, the New York Post did an investigation into emails that uh, reportedly say that Joe Biden met with a top executive from the Ukrainian natural gas Burisma Holdings at the behest of his son, Hunter Biden. Joe Biden had said he never met with anybody. He'd say, you know, denied it. Uh, then, uh, by the way, this week, the, the thing, well, there's nothing on a schedule. It's yeah, possible. Because that's what that you put trouble. on schedule. Yeah. You know, like, you know, so one, the, the flat, you know, blanket denial was then, you know, hedged a little bit. But, you know, if you could, but here's the thing. So these, these emails come from a computer that was on a computer repair shop somewhere in Delaware. They gave it to Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani gave it to the New York Post. If any of those folks in that links in that chain strike you as somebody you don't trust or something, some smells funny, fine. You're entitled to have that opinion. Traditionally, the way if you think the New York Post ran a story that's BS, the way you'd respond to that is to say, hey, I think the New York Post ran a the New York Post ran a story that's BS. And you'd ideally lay out the reasons, you know, why hopefully compelling arguments why you think it's BS. The argument from Twitter was that, no, 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 we can't allow people to share this. We are blocking links to it. We will not allow you to uh, put up links to it and share it to your friends or you know anything like that. Because it can, has, you know, it it uh, it involves hacked materials. Well, by most people's definition, this isn't really hacked materials. This is material that was on a laptop sent to this Delaware repair shop. The Delaware repair shop, you know, didn't do any hacking to get into it. They were fixing the computer. The repair shop has legal access to what's in it. You take it to somebody to go fix a computer. They're going to get the stuff. But the thing is, they don't necessarily have, you know, a legal right to distribute it. You send your stuff to the uh, your computer to the repair shop to get it fixed. The guy at the Genius Bar at the Apple Store is not supposed to say, "Hey, look what I found in this guy's emails," unless, of course, it's something criminal. Um, in these emails, but you know, they don't necessarily have legal authority to distribute that. And if this term sounds familiar, that's what was in effect for President Trump's tax returns in the New York Times just a couple weeks ago. 
They said that they were the person who gave them the tax returns had legal access to it, meaning it was not stolen from some file or something like that. Okay, but whoever leaked them to the New York Times did not have legal permission or authority to release this information, meaning the New York Times didn't break the law on this, but whoever gave them the tax returns broke the law on this. Um, you could argue that this uh, Delaware store has you know, either you know, broken the law or shared something it shouldn't. It, it's, he's claiming it was abandoned, that they called them, they didn't, they didn't pick it up, and that this is, you know, hey, he thought this was newsworthy, so he gave it to the New York Post. Same standards, in fact, here. The only difference is the partisan affiliation of the people involved. Yeah. But anyway, we, we've seen all kinds of terrible stuff on Twitter and on Facebook. And sometimes Twitter and Facebook have been quick to act. A lot of times they've been very slow to act. Many of us who, you know, going back several years, have gotten all kinds of horrible anti-Semitic messages and neo-Nazi messages, and we're going to put you in the ovens, just, just horrible stuff. And you say, hey, that stuff doesn't belong on any social media platform. Very understandable. People would have that. The problem is that Twitter and Facebook sold themselves to the world as this is where you get a voice. This is where everyone can be heard. And they'd say, look, we're not a publisher. We're not the New York Times. We're not picking and choosing whose letter to the editor gets to be on the letters to the editor page. We're just a platform. And anybody can write whatever they want on our platform. Think of us as the stall in the bathroom. And if somebody writes for a good time, call Jenny at 8675309. Well, that's their decision. It's not our decision. And we can't be held legally liable for it. We're just a blank slate. If something up there on us is offensive, it's the people who, who wrote that, not our fault. Well, once they started erasing certain things from that you know, bathroom stall, to extend the metaphor, they ended up becoming a bit more like a publisher and a bit more like a publisher. And bit by bit, they took a broader definition, I think, unfortunately, a vaguer definition of what was not acceptable on Twitter and on Facebook. But as long as they were going after hate groups and neo-Nazis and stuff, like that, people weren't going to have that Holocaust denial and people weren't going to have that much of a problem with it. But now we're into politics. Now we're into, well, we've decided this news story is not acceptable to be shared on our platforms. We, we do not believe that this is acceptable for anyone. They didn't deploy that for certainly anything. Else, but, you know, uh, New York Magazine speculated that Trump was a Russian agent going back to 1987. You know, that's, that's crazy talk. Didn't ban that. I guess they're no. gradually getting to the QAnon stuff, but it took them a long time to start reacting to the QAnon stuff. This one, the New York Post put it up, and within hours... Twitter had, and Facebook had put these rules into effect. They have given their opposition so much ammunition and they have given the cause of sense of, of government regulation of big tech companies such a shot in the arm. They've, they've injected steroids into it. And in like, it's very likelihood that at some point there's going to be big regulation about how t- these uh, social media companies can operate. And I'm not a big fan of that. I don't like, I don't know if I trust the government to do these, make these decisions any better than these big tech companies do. But the argument that these big tech companies are doing this carefully and fairly and in an even-handed way is just no longer viable. And even Jack Dorsey tweeted last night, our communications about our actions around the New York Post article was not great. Yeah, master of the understatement. Blocking URL sharing via tweet or DM with zero context as to why we're blocking is unacceptable. Yeah, no kidding, Jack Dorsey. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, well, and he's uh, apparently, uh, I saw earlier, uh, just a while ago, that uh, Ted Cruz and them will be subpoenaing them and having them in there next Friday for a little Q&A session. So I'm sure they're going to enjoy that. And I was suspended this week 
for posting a picture of Greta Thunberg who backed Joe Biden and it said that was false information, which it was everywhere, Jim. And when you click through, it said this information is false. You click through again on Facebook and it took me to a page that says this was a lie. And the lie was Greta Thunberg never told the Chinese government to stop making chopsticks. Okay. Was was this a parody article of some kind or something, or was it like I have no idea. We didn't post it. Yeah. We posted that huh. she had endorsed him based on his climate change, and that was it. Outside of that, we yeah. never put that other thing up there, but that's what they took it to be. I was gonna say there are two possibilities when you see some sort of really crazy decision by a big tech company. The first is that this being done by some algorithm. I remember there was a uh, museum over in Europe that was banned for posting nudity. Now, obviously, it was a poster of a painting from, like, you know, the Renaissance yeah. that had an exposed breast in it. And I was like, no, that's, that's not pornography. That's not, you know. Uh, but then the second thing was um, that you have some 20-something guy who's behind a computer screen who's basically picking and choosing what he deems offensive and what he deems inappropriate. And it's such an arbitrary and blurry line that he just generally doesn't like to see the Chad Benson's of the world going out and saying something that could be uh, rile people up on the right side or, or get people angry at Greta Thunberg or angry at, at Joe Biden. Well, that well, they can't see this. And he just gets out the red marker and crosses it out, so to speak. So, you know, and neither one of these are what Facebook or Twitter was sold up as. You know, they said, look, this is where your voice is heard. And they never really thought through, if we say we're giving everyone a voice, what happens when people we disagree with start using their voice? Well, we're finding out. And uh, they're going to find out, too, what uh, what uh, your big tech. Well, this is big government. And uh, they're going to uh, and the people that you usually stick up for free enterprise, free market, don't shut anything down. Maybe the people that go, yeah, it's OK that we regulate you guys now. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next? Let's move to the crazy. And this is crazy because we've got competition tonight. And Jim, we have competition between two people that in theory should be on the same stage, but instead will be on two different networks. And instead of debating, they're having town halls. It's Trump and Biden. Yeah, this was supposed to be the Trump-Biden uh, town hall debate. You may recall that, you know, Trump... Uh, Diagnosed with coronavirus. We don't know whether he had it at the first debate or not, but a lot of people kind of a lot of people's calculation of the math and when the onset of symptoms were says, yeah, it could be that he was, you know, he was positive when you had that debate with Joe Biden. And as a result of that, uh, the Commission on Presidential Debate said, okay, we're going to make the next debate virtual. And the Trump campaign said, no, 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 we're not doing that. We want this to be a standard debate. Once Trump said he was out, Biden said he was out and Biden went and said, OK, we're going to do this you know, live uh, town hall meeting with just ourselves on ABC. Well, the Trump campaign didn't want to be left out of this. And so they reached out, worked out a deal with NBC and NBC is going to be airing its town hall with Donald Trump. Now, look, we've seen Donald Trump on the on the trail lately. He seems healthy. He seems recovered. He's, you know, so he's healthy and recovered. Biden is healthy and recovered or, or Biden has not been infected as, as far as we know. 
So why are these two guys not debating each other? My thinking suspicion is that one or both don't want to have this debate. Look, you want to keep these guys further apart? Fine. Um, the Trump campaign's proposal of pushing back the second debate to the date of the third debate, which is October 22nd, and then pushing the third debate back to the 29th makes sense to me. The Biden campaign has said no. I, you know, the Biden campaign insists they're not trying to dodge debates. They say, oh, but Donald Trump doesn't get to make the rules. Okay, what's your counter proposal? Because right now we've got two debates on the schedule. We've got two debates to, on the schedule and dueling town hall meetings tonight on two different networks. I guess, you know, Trump thinks this will be awesome because he'll have higher ratings than Biden does. You know, again, I, if, I'd like to have debates and I don't quite understand why these two sides can't work it out and figure out a way to get them. If not on, you know, on the same stage, safely far apart to have the traditional debate experience in these circumstances. You know, it's it, it's it's funny because Trump really needs to be in front of him. And I was totally I didn't I don't think anybody wanted to see uh, two older guys fighting uh, on Zoom uh, against each other. I don't, that didn't appeal to anybody with the delay that we have and all of this stuff. It was just it felt like it was going to go wrong. But I uh, they should be having this conversation about how they get another debate in there. But if I'm Biden, Jim, I got to be honest, with you, less is more at this point. And uh, if I'm Trump, you better make some hay here while while the getting is good because time is running out. You've got 19 days, and my fear is out there is Trump's going to care more about the ratings tomorrow than the questions and answers tonight. That seems like a safe and and you know unnerving uh, you know prediction there. Um, look, you know, first of all, I, I hear from Trump fans that you know Donald Trump can mop the floor with Joe Biden any day of the week. Okay, uh, I don't know if that's how the last one shook out. I, I, I think Trump is capable of beating Biden in the debate, but I think his constant interruptions and this just constant barrage, like I think one of the ways you beat Biden is you hang him with his own words, so to speak, metaphorically. And Trump just never gave Biden a chance to say much in order to hang him with those own words. I think under the pressure and in the spotlight, that's when Biden will shrink but he never had the spotlight to himself. Trump j- kept jumping in. So, uh, and by the way, I think, you know, I think the polling numbers and various other factors indicate that uh, Trump is, uh, you know, that it did not work the way Trump wanted it to, even if the, the coronavirus diagnosis had not come along later that week. Look, you know, to me, if you're Trump and you're behind, you want to debate the, you know, Biden, you know, any way you can, any day you can, any circumstance. Virtual might not be as good as face-to-face, but it beats not having that debate because you want that contrast. And the ratings for the last one were pretty darn high, like 80 million people or so. Like, you can't, you can't afford to give up that opportunity in front of that big an audience. And for some reason, uh, the president's campaign thinks that they can maneuver this into a perception that Biden is dodging debates. And then maybe it'll work for him. But, man, you know, like, ideally, you, you'd be debating and you'd be following him around and you'd be saying, come on, let's do it. Let's debate. Let's debate. And, you know, the, the Trump campaign through its maneuvering in objection to the virtual one has now lost one of the debates. And it's not sure that it's going to be uh, restored between now and Election Day. No, no. And we may never see that third debate. And God only knows if we'll see that uh, second one. Jim Garrity is always great. I'm in for Greg Columbus. I'm uh, Chad Benson. Follow me at Chad Benson Show. And, of course, you can follow Jim on the Twitter and everywhere else. Right, Jim? Uh, Yes, you can. At Jim Garrity. Yes. Yes, very at Jim Garrity, because that's what his name is, for God's sakes. Uh, we'll do it again. To, we'll do it again tomorrow. And uh, everybody enjoy your three martinis. And uh, we've got you pretty much through the week. Thanks as always, man. 
Thanks, Chad. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.